In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome, Ohana, to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 73, recorded on August 10th, 2020. We're your hosts, Drew, Bob, and Tim. On tonight's episode, we give you our thoughts on the company at large. Some might even call it the state of the company address. So come, journey with us as we take a look at the financial issues, Disney Plus premium content, and Disney's teen problem. Let's wrap up a few things over in BuzzTube. Hey, boy! If I can just find... God! Oh, there you are. All right, guys, BuzzTube going on this week. We have two things that I kind of want to make you guys aware of. One, I just uh, this week put out a new YouTube video and answers the big question. A lot of people actually have been asking me lately, what is villainous um it's a short five minute youtube video highly recommend you go over and watch it um if you don't know villainous is just a disney's board game which is a super lot of fun and that's all i'm really, really gonna say watch the video uh, i go through kind of the bots and and, and and high level of what the game is and the concept of it so head over there make sure while you're there to subscribe and um i'm probably gonna do a couple more of these videos there's a there's a new villainous game out there uh marvel villainous and i'm going to try to do a little comparison of what makes it so different than the the regular game so keep an eye out for that one uh the other thing uh tonight we just stopped doing our live pre-show on our facebook page in the ohana that is something we've been doing now for the last two weeks we're going to probably continue doing that a little bit more uh it just it, it gives us the opportunity to talk to you guys a little bit about some topics that maybe we can't really fit into our weekly episodes and it's, it's just a more fun laid back environment and you know we really would love you guys to kind of join us over there on facebook and uh ask us some questions and listen along and give us your input and feedback right in the comments and we'll incorporate that right into uh our discussions uh you know it's meant to be an interactive in uh you know with all of you guys with the ohana so definitely go over there we typically start that around 8 15 every uh monday night um but that's about it for BuzzTube this week. Uh, let's head on over to the Disney News Desk. Yeah, one benefit of those live pre-shows is we kind of give our thoughts on the news topics of the week as to kind of... Uh, not necessarily speed up episodes, but to streamline episodes or to focus more on main topics and maybe some random houses of random house of mouse issues that we may have. So uh, please head over to that video if you want our in-depth analysis of any of the following uh, news items. Uh, we did touch briefly on uh, the September 8th uh, hour restructuring. Uh, each park gets an uh, is going to be open an hour less, except for Epcot, which will be reduced uh, to 11 to 7 as opposed to 11 to 9. Um, and then, 
you're looking at the uh, Disney Springs remaining the same, 10 to 10. So uh, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority is now officially under refurbishment. It did not reopen with the parks. Uh, that will run through the end of October at least. Uh, the Tangerine Cafe over in Morocco in Epcot's World Showcase is now officially closed. It is run by a third-party vendor, uh, so ultimately um, nothing's really known about the closure if, in fact, it will reopen when tra- when park traffic picks up. Um, obviously, this eatery uh, is really accessible to people that don't necessarily have a ton of uh, meat in their in their diets. Uh, so you hope something like that or similar to this eatery opens up when uh, when people are back at the parks. And finally tonight, in a bit of uh, news that didn't surprise anybody intimately involved with our show or with Disney in general, uh, Reflections, the Lakeside Disney Lodge that was announced at D23 last year, uh, is officially off the table. It has been retroactively removed from the D23 post that announced it. Um, and by saying officially... Um, I would say probably two and a half months ago, they removed all the construction equipment and planted that crazy, you know, grow anywhere, green spray grass type stuff. Hydro seed. Uh, Yeah, hydro seed that literally uh, grows anywhere, uh, fish tanks included. So that's all we got for the news. Uh, For more in-depth analysis of these and a few other items, please see the Facebook Live video that is available now on the Ohana page. Now we head over to the topic of the week. So we have an interesting take this week for our topic of the week. Um, It's kind of our quote-unquote mid-year review. It kind of coincides with the quarterly financial reports of the company. Um, We've promised Andrew his time to speak about the financials. He's promised us that he is not going to break break them down individually. He's going to give you an overview. We'll talk about what it means. Uh, And then we're kind of going to hit some things that came up in the last week or two. Uh, with Disney Plus and premium content. And then there's a topic that Tim and myself are very interested in, and I think Andrew is as well, um, that Disney's teen problem, uh, and if there is a teen problem with Disney connecting uh, to that specific demographic. So those are the things we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to turn it over to Drew and the financial guru of the show and let him talk to you about some financial performance from the last quarter. Drew? Yes, my favorite. Uh, but Tim, you know, how you doing, buddy? I don't want to I don't want to hear you go silent this whole oh, time. No, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just uh, <laughs> a little worried that Bob said that, uh, you know, us two men in his 30s are, are very interested in Disney's teen problem uh, mm. at, as an adult who is certified to work with teens. It's I don't want to lose my job, basically. That is a true story. That is, I am very interested in the Disney teen problem, and I think you'll know what we're talking about when we get there. Uh, I think things have missed the mark. I, I think that the uh, audience have missed the mark, but yeah. ultimately uh, we'll we'll save that for, for the end of this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what Andrew has to say about the overall financial performance of Absolutely. the company when they were closed for most of the quarter. Absolutely. So yes. So the the financial report came out. I was um I was ecstatic. I listened to the hour and three minute video conference like any person would do as a stockholder. And totally it was, uh, normal stuff. Totally normal stuff. Totally normal. Uh, and here's what I here's what I did out of it. Um, I'm not going to go into the heavy little details because let's be honest, no one really cares about this much million and this much million. But I'll, I'll I'll try to do a little bit of that and a lot of bit more of high level. So overview overall, of course. Um, 
they miss their earnings, right? So so every quarter they they predict, I think they predicted are like twelve and a half million of how much money they were going to uh twelve and a half billion, how much money they were going to make, and they missed those earnings by roughly five hundred and ninety million. So they they earned five hundred and ninety million short of that. One interesting thing that Disney is currently doing, if you're a stockholder and know anything about stocks, Disney is currently suspending all of their dividends. If you don't know what a dividend is, it means every quarter you get this free money. Let's say you get like a dollar for every stock that you own. Um, so if you own, you know, 100 stocks, you get a free hundred dollars every quarter. Uh, they're suspending those, so you currently are not receiving any dividends. Now, with all that being said, yet the stock did rise five percent on the release of their earnings. And the reason for that really happened was is they had a lot of upside stuff, though the parks didn't do well. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people were expecting a huge, huge loss. And when you look at it, $590 million is a lot of money, um, but it really didn't miss its mark by by too much. Um, I, I have at the top of my head, that's probably really 7 or 6% that um, they were a little shy of, so probably less than that. But anywho, uh, it really wasn't too bad. Now, they broke down into four categories, the company, and, and, and Bob and Tim, jump in if you have anything to say at each one. So the first category is they break it down is by parts, experience, and products. Of course, it's what we know and love, Disney parts, and uh, the experience and the products that come along with that, whether it's the products in the park or merchandise, etc. cetera. Uh, now, this does make up by far the most of the four categories income for all of Walt Disney World. Due to what Bubba said, most of the parts being closed during this pandemic they saw an 85% decrease um, in revenue coming in, uh, which which equates to a $3.5 billion loss this quarter. Uh, and they are saying $2.9 billion of that 3.5 revenue is due to COVID. So I guess maybe they were thinking that they were going to have a, a, a poor month anywho um, because of the summer and whatnot, but COVID specifically was that. You guys have anything to say? I mean, I, I, it's kind of what we expected. I'm, I'm not really too shot. Um, but you guys have anything to add? No, I mean, this is the least surprising category. I think mm. it, it people might not immediately know if they're not as in tune with the Disney stuff as we are. Uh, believe it or not, Disney, despite being one of the biggest companies in the world, this massive film studio uh, that just does acquisitions left and right, the Parks Experience and Products Division, which all the revenue comes from the parks, is the most profitable division. This Correct. is the most return on investment because the parks are built. The, the money in equals way more money out. Um, so th this is the loss that matters. Uh, Absolutely. For the company. All right. Um, the next little subcategory here is studio entertainment. These are their big uh, blockbuster films that they've been working on. Uh, and of course, we've had no film Disney film releases since mid-March, uh, which I believe was that Onward. Yes. Right. Uh, no. 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 Onward was the first of the. Hey, we're just throwing this on Disney Plus. No. Onward was no, in the no, theater. No. Onward. Onward made forty million dollars opening weekend, yeah, and we I all came it. on here and pasted it for not doing well. And then the next <laughs> oh. week, the theaters closed. Yeah. And then, uh, and then where here we are. Um, it's actually. Oh my uh, God, you're right. I totally yeah. forgot. We discussed it in relation to other non-IP Pixar yeah. stuff. In fact, I believe God. the Good Dinosaur was the only movie that as <laughs> yes, under, yes, that, that underperformed as well as. as, well as uh, Do you know what it feels uh, like about a year ago? Well. I mean, I don't want to get into that because ultimately you think about in January, we were concerned that the Australian brush fires were going to literally burn down the, 
the, the continent of Australia. So, I mean, that literally seems like a lifetime ago, to be it, honest. That happened. You. It just got overshadowed by the pandemic. Yeah. So it, it's funny to me, Drew, because as much as the parks and experiences and products isn't surprising in any way. I, I think the studio entertainment portion of that isn't surprising. If you look at ESPN, ESPN had no yeah. original content for the last eight months other right. than some, well, no, sorry, eight months or five and a half, six months. But I mean, they've had no sports programming. They, they've had the, the, uh, the, 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 the Michael Jordan series there. Uh, name escapes me right now. They did the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30. That was really good. The last good. dance. The last dance. There you go. Yeah. The last dance. They had the Lance Armstrong 30 for 30. I mean, it's one of those things. They had content. They had Marvel racing. They had um, video games. They had a lot yeah. of things I did not want to watch. Correct. But basketball is back now, baby. Yeah, yeah and the well. Phoenix Suns, uh, pardon the expression, are red hot in the bubble. By the oh, way. no, sports is wild right now. It is. Uh, certain pitchers who have insane ERAs, people yeah. who are doing things in the bubble. It is a wild time to be a sports fan because sports are largely made up right now. Um, I would like to give a big shout out to the Joe Kelly Fight Club face when he started the fight with the entire Houston Astros. Well done. Oh, yeah, that, Joe Kelly. That, that is one that will stand. Um, I'm sure tops <laughs> in that cool series of cards they have now will we'll have several cards of the Joe Kelly Fight Club face. I can't wait. It's very exciting. But, Drew, you're right, because Studio Entertainment took a pretty big hit, too. It did. And it makes a ton of sense. All, all the in-production stuff needed to stop and theaters closed. I mean, you could not yes. release movies into theaters that you physically Correct. couldn't that they weren't able to well so, so how how do you guys feel about the fact that in a lot of the world like most of it that's not exactly here in the united states they're about to be able to release movies in the theaters again and we're going to be the suckers well, stuck not to know, preempt our next topic but you no know, no you're right but you know theaters are funny with with some of this other stuff opening i get it's indoors but to me i mean I feel like that's an easier place to social distance than going out to a restaurant no, or other but things it, like it, that. The, the real thing is, is is all this research that's coming out now about it spending more than 15 minutes in an area that doesn't uh, exchange all the air in it six times per hour. I'm not going to get into what the Disney guys on Censored is not a medical podcast. <laughs> I don't want to speculate about what or what does not spread coronavirus. But theaters are a very touchy subject with that. Mm-hmm. Um but I just want I to say, you. all I was saying is that most of the world's theaters are going to start reopening in the next week or so if they are not already reopened. And America is kind yeah. of a long way off on that. Well, I would disagree with that. There's theaters around me that have been showing uh, old movies now for, for weeks. And I, I know there's uh, some people in our Ohana that work in theaters that their theater is is running uh, movies, you know, three or four times a weekend or so. So that they, they are trying to do something for these theaters and sure, to, but Jurassic to the point Park of getting the highest grossing movie. Right. So, so to be fair, no, they're, they're not going to get the first run films yet. That, that is absolutely true, yep. but, but they are trying things. They're trying to get creative yep. uh, with it. And, and, and drive-ins, right? Drive-ins is the perfect time. Yeah. That's year. a big jump. All started. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's you know, true. even the drive-ins are playing back to the future and empire. Yeah. Back. Well, well, the I problem is, say, but who wants to, to release a movie that they spent a hundred million dollars on at this Uh-oh. time of the year? I mean, it, it's so hard. I'll tell you that much. No, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose that money. So you're gonna look at other ways, which we'll get to in a minute. But anywho, yep. studio entertainment, um, as we just discussed, fifty-five percent decrease um, in 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 income and revenue. 
Now, what we did see in Studio Entertainment was the cable and broadcasting unit, kind of an increase in income. And to what Tim and Bub said, that's a lot to do with the sports coming on, starting to you know tally up again here, um, and revenue from there. The other problem that's going on in this category is the Fox acquisition is still taking a major toll on Disney. They're still paying off severances. They're still um, terminating contracts. There still is a lot of money to integrate. You know, look what they just did with The Simpsons. They said we're going to fix the widescreen format and all that stuff. So there's a lot of integration with what they acquired from Fox and how they bring that into their current network of, of let's say, film and broadcasting and all of that. So they're still finding ways to pay that off. The other interesting one here we didn't talk about for a minute is Chapek announced in the in the call that sometime in the physical year of 2021, the Star brand, which is essentially kind of the same as uh, what Fox owns, uh, is going to be releasing a streaming service. So this is going to feature all of their ABC Studios work, Fox, FX, Freeform, 20th Century, and Searchlight. Um so the funny thing about this is he he mentioned kind of oddly it's going to be integrated into Disney Plus in some way. What's your guys' take on this? Do you think this will just be an additional? Hey, if you want this extra, you know, feature, it's an extra two ninety nine a month if you own Disney Plus. You know, I, I I have a lot of issues with this. Yeah. Like I myself and a coworker were talking about this literally this week on Wednesday. Um. I haven't had cable since I lived in Seattle in like 2013. And originally you could just have Netflix and, you know, there was a lot of good stuff. Netflix was licensing. You had all sorts of movies, blah, blah, blah. And then you need Hulu. And now I'm to the point where I'm paying more than I was for cable because every single network has their own streaming service, you know? So we have the CBS thing. So Rachel can watch big brother and, you know, I have this other streaming service so I can watch sports, so on and so forth. And, uh, all of a sudden, you're, you're you're back to paying 100 bucks a month, but instead of paying it to Comcast, you're paying it to five different streaming services. So I I don't know. I think I think this stuff is really headed towards a, a collapse on itself, where it's going to get so granular, and you're going to atomize your audience so much that people are going to realize I can't pay 7.90 a mine a month for you know 18 different streaming services, and, and it's all going to collapse back in on itself. 100. I, I, mean, I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I've stood by that from day one. I think Andrew, yep. we had the the October or November episode when we talked about Disney Plus. Mm. I think one of the questions we posed was how much is is too much. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you got Hulu. You've got ESPN Plus. You've got Disney Plus. I know you can bundle those three. Okay. But it, right even there. that, even that, like they 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 talked this big game about you could bundle them, right? Well, if you have the Verizon deal, you can't. Because you already got it for free, and you can't just pay the extra to get ESPN Plus and in the Hulu. And no, if you want I, the I don't commercial care about free Hulu, you can't. All I'm saying here is that they give you the option to bundle mm-hmm. a version of Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus together. That's thirteen bucks. If you're gonna get Netflix in any capacity that doesn't have a ton of ads, it's it's fifteen bucks at least. Yep. And then, like you're saying, CBS All Access, the Peacock, the HBO. HBO Network. It, it, then you have to pay for then you have to pay for internet providers. High speed, yep. you need high speed internet. So, so to me, I, and I still have Verizon, and I have the bundle with Verizon, and I and I'm not happy with my Wi-Fi, and I don't necessarily watch enough of the channels to justify it, and I have a home phone line that I never friggin' use. Yep. But at the end of the day, I, I I have Disney Plus and I have Netflix. I don't bother with the other stuff, and that's so, just 
Yeah. Well, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And I still own cable. God bid me. I don't know. But my point is, is that this weekend something interesting happened. Because I I think most of us I signed up for that three year deal with Disney Plus, the upfront fee. Got it. My wife already has Hulu because she's a Spotify member, so she gets Hulu free. So that's ten bucks. Now I I I did the forbidden this weekend. So here's the here's why I'm a sucker. So Disney has 100 million subscribers, and that's across Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. I can now say I individually subscribe to each one of those. Um, I had to subscribe <laughs> to ESPN Plus this weekend because the PGA Championship was only being showed on ESPN that's, Plus. That's at, what? That's not true. I watched it on CBS. It started at CBS every day at like 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock, depending on the day. So if I wanted to watch anybody that teed off at 10 in the morning to 4 at night, that's six hours of content. That's a I had golf decision you made because you're a golf fan, not well, because not. you couldn't watch it somewhere else. Here's the way I looked at it was $5 to watch maybe 15 hours of content over the weekend. Four days, really. It's worth my money for $5. And then I'll just cancel it. I'll, you know, I don't need it anymore. Right. But that's what's going to start happening. It's all of these shows and TV and, you know, and, and sports. They're going to start pick, they're going to start getting picked up by these, you know, services. And now what do you do? You know, you, you, you want to watch these and cable doesn't even have them, you know? So, yeah. Anywho, um, let's move on. The next, um, two small categories here. Not much to talk about is, is media networks. I'm not going to really pretend too much like I know what that exactly is. They saw a 2% loss, and then direct-to-consumer and international had a 2% gain. Now, this was a big focus in the investors' meeting. This was a, They focused a lot. I think they're really moving forward here because if you look at Disney Plus and all these things, this is kind of exactly what they're, what they're trying to talk about with direct-to-direct-to-consumer. If you don't know, direct-to-consumer, it skips that middleman or it skips the third party. You know, for example, if the Disney Channel is on Verizon Fios, um, they're using Verizon Fios as a third party to, to show their channels. You know, if they just bring Disney Plus straight to the consumer, that's an example of kind of a direct-to-consumer. Um, so they're really focusing a lot of those types of things going forward. If you go buy merchandise on the Disney Shop, that's direct-to-consumer versus going to buy a Disney product at Target. Um, so they're really big focus, I think, going forward, and I'm interested to see what they do with direct-to-consumer. So the last portion is they, they they end every investor's call with questions. And some of the questions I just wanted to bring up that that you know investors called in and asked, and you know I want to see what your guys' take on it. I think there's one or two in particular that are really interesting. So the first one they said was um, – is the cost of production really meaning um, film or shows or, 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 or media, things like that, is the cost of production increasing and is there going to be additional insurance uh, due to COVID? So essentially they want to know is, you know, due to social distancing requirements, you know, testing, things like that, and also insurance packages, meaning if someone were to come down with COVID and they try to sue or things like that, Will the cost of production increase? Um, I thought it was a valid question uh, from investors' point of view. They kind of gave the typical business answer on this one where, you know, we're taking all our precautions, we're doing this and that. Um, you know, it's kind of just baked into budgets, going to be going forward. It's just going to be part of that. And, you know, they'll, they'll be able to make that decision now up front, knowing how much it costs. Nothing crazy. Uh, 
Uh, the next one, again, pretty, pretty self-explanatory here. When will the dividend be reinstated? Of course, everybody wants their extra money. Again, they gave a business answer. The next one I thought was very interesting. They asked the question regarding the upcoming productions and releases, right? So what that means is due to COVID and the impact of the pandemic, we haven't been able to really film much in the last six months. They want to know is, as an investor, what are we going to see that impact, you know, financially in the next year, the next six months, the next three months? Um, I thought their answer was interesting, and I'm going to let Bob speak to it in a second. But their answer was very focused on kind of like Disney Plus type content where they they specifically called out the Mandalorian season two and all of the new Avengers content uh, like Loki, Winter Soldier. And what's the other one about Falcon? Uh, oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is the same Fal- show. WandaVision's right. coming out, Loki, She-Hulk, stuff like that. That's right. Uh, what, and about what if the, the most exciting of all of them? Yes. Marvel what if? what if, yes. Oh, yes. What if? So, but what's your take on this? Because they're already kind of been delayed, right? Well, no, Mandalorian has always been on the schedule for when it was, and apparently Mandalorian is still on the schedule for October, about uh, second or twelfth, somewhere in that neighborhood. So it's Correct. the first. All the all the footage is in the can for season two. It was editing and production stuff. Season three is where it becomes questionable. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, they knew they had a hit on their hands. The first two seasons, like season two, got was shot back to back with season one. So that that is not 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 a concern. It's, it's season three is where it comes into a question for Mandalorian. Yeah, and and, and we, who knows what the future of season three really would have been. But um, so the, the the short answer was they they didn't really see any big. They, I I think they did a lot of stuff in the bag, right, Bob? I think that's the whole point of it as well. Um. The last one was specifically, they said, is there any concern with the NFL and college football not being in a bubble? And I thought this was an interesting question. And I think it was, you know, I don't know if they're really looking for a safety type answer or more of a what is this going to do to ESPN, you know, financials. Uh, but they said the same thing. You know, you know, they, they hope everything moves forward. And, you know, ESPN is, is going to be there to help support all of it and et cetera. They, they, again, a business answer. You guys have any Bob or Tim, anything on those? Yeah, I mean, co- college football is probably not happening. I don't know if you've been following the news today. But well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I officiate college sports, so I'm well aware of what's going on with, with hockey. Yeah. At least. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, the NFL, NCAA, football, huge, huge, huge revenue drivers for everybody as far as profitability with sports goes. Um, can't really happen in a bubble. Uh, if anybody's following baseball, Things are not going exactly great with that sport not being in a bubble. So who, who knows what's going to happen? Green Bay Packers have already announced first two games, bare minimum, uh, no fans. So we're going to have to wait and see. But uh, I'd say it's 50-50 on if football season happens this year. I agree with that. Um, but anyways, that is the, the Disney quarterly financials uh, overall. It was bad, but it wasn't as bad as I think as everybody expected. I guess that would be my takeaway. So, Bob, why don't you lead us in the next portion of this conversation, uh, Disney Plus and premium content? Yeah, there's really not much to tell here. The big news for premium content this week was the fact that Mulan would be coming direct to Disney Plus uh, in September uh, as a premier access release for $30. 
um, on top of your six ninety nine or or whatever you're going to pay for your membership, whether you've paid yearly or you've paid the combo, as long as you are a member of Disney Plus, you will have access to Mulan uh, for thirty dollars. Um, it does open up a lot of questions to me about if this is how it's going to be handled going forward. Uh, not necessarily with new releases, because I think this is such a specific example to a movie that clearly cannot get a theatrical release uh, with the current climate. So clearly they're looking to make some money back. I understand that. The big yep. question is when would Mulan then become available to regular Disney Plus subscribers. Uh, yeah. The other thing is when, when other companies have released direct-to-video uh, movies, Trolls 2, um, the, the, that movie with Kevin Bacon, and uh, the, the, you, should, you should have left that the horror movie that came out uh, earlier this month. Um, the, the question becomes, those rentals are $19.99 for 48 hours of access once you start watching the film. Yeah. This is going to be a continuous access until you don't have Disney Plus anymore. The catch being that all of those were released simultaneously on multiple services that don't require a membership fee or don't have a subscriber fee. Uh, not that Disney Plus is exorbitantly expensive. It's six bucks. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to see what this means for a movie like Soul, like a movie uh, like uh, The New Mutants. Uh, yep. The new X-Men movie that has been has had probably seven release dates in the last two <laughs> years and still hasn't been released. And then Black Never Widow. Out. Yeah. Um, so, the, thing with, the thing with Black Widow for me, before we get going here, is I, I honestly don't see an issue with Black Widow even being pushed to February as a release date. And I don't know that this is one that they would necessarily need to release to Disney Plus. I, I think you're more likely to see Soul release to Disney Plus, and I think you are going to see New Mutants release to Disney Plus, and it might just end up on Disney Plus as a free offering. But the question becomes is, when is enough enough with this? Um, Bob Shapik said this isn't going to be the new model, that this isn't how it's going to be, and you got to take him at face value for that. You really do, because we've never, we've, we've never dealt with a situation like this. So to say that this is how every movie is going to be released on Disney Plus, I don't think is fair to the company. I don't think it's fair to the to the to the uh, to the channel itself, to the content. Yep. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if you do get a semblance of this for movies that you know are going to be extra. I, maybe not thirty dollars. Yeah. Maybe it's fifteen for certain movies. You know, I don't see this necessarily going away if it is successful with Mulan. That would be mm-hmm. the one caveat. Because if you get enough people paying 30 bucks for the early access, then why not do it with other movies? I agree. So here's my problem. I'm, I'm going to tie this back to my financials and, and what I specifically talked about and what, what specifically Chapek and other people talked about with a big focus in that financial briefing was direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. So what I'm what I mean by this is is you you brought up some some past films like Trolls and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Now what Disney is trying to do is a direct to consumer market where they yep. don't have to pay anybody else a, a royalty fee of whatever sort. So again, I'm gonna go back to that example. If Disney said let's put Mulan onto Verizon FiO so anybody can rent it for $19.99, they're gonna lose a cut of that money. Yep. Now. The weird part where it gets is, so I get it. They want to use Disney Plus as a platform. Um, 
the problem is not everybody has Disney Plus, so I that's another business in plan. They're going to try to get people to subscribe to Disney Plus right. and then pay the money. Where I where I do have some concerns are thirty dollars, right? And 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 everybody always talks about. You see the big debate where. Well, if I went to the movie theater, it would cost me, you know, seventy-five dollars. That's sure. a shitty argument, though, in my opinion. I don't like that argument. It, 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 it is, and it isn't. I, I, I'm on both sides of that fence. Um, I agree, Bob. It's a totally different experience, and and yep. and, and I 100% agree with you. I mean, at the end of it, though, money is money. If you think about the movie, now my concern with this is, is that you look back at the movies like The Lion King and, and Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Does and Mulan's a great movie. I know we've all talked about it on this show. And we all love it. But does it really pull the same numbers as – and I get they're different, but does it pull the same numbers as Aladdin and a Lion King-type remake? And no. I don't know. And I don't I think, think it does. $30 is steep. I, if, if, if you would bring that down to maybe 15 I think you'd get more people to do it. But I think again, if you brought it to the same price point as Trolls or any yeah, other on-demand rental for nineteen ninety nine, yep. you'd be much more likely to get people on board. And I, and I have no idea what what the people think about mm-hmm. this thirty dollar. People I've talked to think it, it's I, it's extreme. I just wish that you almost could do it without being a subscriber. They should almost have like a free version. You can log into Disney Plus, but you can't watch any films. But you could watch your purchased films. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like if I wanted to download Disney Plus, create a login, but not subscribe, but buy Mulan for thirty dollars, I can do that. So basically what you want to do is that Disney Movie Rewards Club, they whatever they call call it now, the Disney Movie Club, I think, is when the Disney Movie Rewards, when you didn't put the code and you get points, you want to use that as your place to purchase movies like this and then stream them through Disney Plus, pretty much. I think that'd be a lot what you want to do. Yeah, I'd be I'll be a lot happier with that. Because you get a free service, you can buy whatever movie you want and then watch it through Disney Plus. And I'm not saying you can buy any movie or any TV show, but maybe maybe you should. Maybe you should be able to. I, I don't know. Yep. But the other thing I want to say is you, you talked about a little bit or you mentioned uh, they mentioned that at some point in the future, this will come available for free uh, to Disney Plus subscribers. So September 4th mm-hmm. that you said was the date where you can go out and buy it for thirty dollars. Uh, remember, you own this. Well, you don't really own it. You own it as long as you subscribe. Um, now, I don't think we see this for quite some time um, for the, the average Disney Plus subscriber i'm gonna go ahead and say you will not see it before november 12th and the reason <laughs> i picked that date is uh november 12th is the one year anniversary uh yeah. for the for the states of disney plus mm-hmm. so what i mean by that is everyone out there that said let me just subscribe to disney plus for for one year to see if i like it um this is not going to be available for free until after that date. If they're smart, they'll pick like November 15th. These people's subscriptions are just going to end and then say, hey, if you want to watch Mulan for free, you just have to resubscribe for a year or for a month or whatever they decide to do. But doesn't that go back to your say. question about is Mulan going to bring that type of audience? I, mean, uh, that I, my, I don't know why they wouldn't just release Soul at that point. Or something in that area that's going to be, I think Soul is a bigger draw as a Pixar bannered film that yeah. is an original concept. I think that's a bigger draw for families, especially around the holidays, to pull in instead of Mulan. In my opinion, again, that's strictly, yeah. and I and I 
I don't know how, I don't necessarily know Tim's feelings on it. And I think you were kind of on the fence with Mulan in general, the live action remake, not the, not the animated feature, but I think you were kind of on the fence. You could go either way with the yep. Mulan remake for me. I, I want to see it and I'm too. not going to spend the $30. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take your November and I'm going to raise you till I want to say at least February for this $30 to make sense. They need to give people access for six or seven months on this film. So I'm going spring, like late February, early March. Do you remember what what was trolls in those things? Like eight weeks or so trolls was trolls was like a couple weeks. Trolls. You keep bringing up trolls. Did did you look up the numbers for trolls? I did not. Trolls. Trolls is the most uh, profitable digital first run release ever and obviously this is a very new thing the idea of something simultaneously being but that profit was like nine million dollars like that is you know the pocket lint for a disney film even the worst disney releases do you know 30 40 50 100 million dollars so the the reason Chapek says this is a this is a, an experiment is because this is currently not a profitable model for anybody. Uh, this right. is a stopgap. This is opening the parks right now. This is to to stem the bleeding sort of thing. Well, um, I think to that point, Tim, right? If you have a hundred million dollars in the movie and it is sitting in your warehouse somewhere or sitting in your closet, I think at this now a hundred million dollars for the Disney company is shit. We need that money right now. We can't just wait any longer. You know, I want to make right. my money back. Yeah, but I mean, the Disney company is one of the few companies that is very much in the position. I mean, we we talked about it in the news segment, um, you know, a number of months ago about where they 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 cashed in some bonds. They they have plenty of money in the bank. Um, They don't need to release things to have cash flow for operational expenses. Uh, This is I mean, this is 100 percent why I agree with Bob on on the Black Widow movie. There's just no way we see this happen because. The, the Marvel movies, all of them come out and and break onto that, you know, top 25 highest earning films of all time list. None of them are flops. So they're going to hold Black Widow until it, they can show it in a theater and make make all their money back. I, I mean, I, I, I agree and I disagree. I mean, I'm going to go back to the financials as a as a as a investor in stock world, not as myself, but as just I, I let's be honest, I got minimal. Right. But if someone that's invested million dollars into this company. They need to see money income, whether, you know, saying you're going to take out of your reserve fund as an investor is not a good thing. So they need to see income. So Disney is definitely doing this. I bet that you got to make certain investors. happy. No, I mean, this is this this is where Bob Chapek comes from. I mean, this this, this is literally of where where the man's background is. I mean, the man was selling ketchup for Heinz, uh, yeah. you know, in charge of their advertising. He he. Was not found out somehow that he was not going to be the CEO of Heinz. He jumped ship over to Disney, and and you know the way he put his name on the map is he's the guy who said, "Hey, what if we made all our videos limited? What if we had something called the Disney Vault?" And that that's what catapulted this guy up the ranks. So th- this is his specialization. But at the same time, like Mulan, it, it seems like a good test case. It's reasonably hyped. It's definitely the first of the live action films where. I even thought that I was going to spend money to go see it in theaters. So, uh, I mean, maybe if this goes well. But to Bob's point, Bob brought up a great point. And I just don't know if – and I get it. you got to do something here, right, to your point about Bob Chapad. But to Bob's point, like what – I hate to say it, but like Soul would be a better option here. I don't think Mulan is going to perform well. 
You know, it's, it's, it's no, I don't I don't think it will either. But if I'm an investor, uh, if I'm an investor like you're talking about, where I have a million or a hundred million or I'm in a, a yeah. private equity firm or a hedge fund that's invested in Disney, I'm not clamoring for them to, you know, limply shoot um, uh, Black Widow out onto digital services to recoup losses because that I know that government backed bonds will will weather the crisis, that that is as good as cash in this sort of thing when you are. Uh, uh, the bluest of blue chip companies like Disney. I mean, I don't think you have to rush these things to press. You could wait it out because, you know, Black Widow is a, it's a comic book character. It's been around for 50 years. You know, she there, there, there's no relevancy to the Black Widow story, especially since this is a prequel that takes place in the Cold War. It's not like you're going to lose anything if you wait two, three, four years for the, this movie to come out, if that's what it takes. Sure. Release Soul. Soul might end up on, on the streaming service as, as an original, but I, I don't think we're going to see any of these big Disney uh, important things get get shot out on Disney Plus either for free or or as a thirty dollar add on uh, uh, if, if they can try and wait and weather it. See, that's the catch. I think that's the thing right there. Tim hit it there. It's not going to be the big Disney tent poles that get those releases. Agreed. I will tell you right now, the New Mutants. It's probably going to be a free add-on whenever they just decide they need <laughs> yeah, a bump. Yeah, it's never, or it's never going to be released. Yeah. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be the movies they have from Fox. Um, the one and only Ivan It will be out in a couple of weeks. Um, oh, yeah. yeah yep. Magic School or something this week comes out. Is that a movie, it, Bob, or a show? Yeah, nope, that's a, that's a movie. Yep. Okay, okay. So I it's one of those things. Well. <laughs> I, I, I was under the impression it was a movie. You I guys thought it was a right? show, could but a I show. could be. Could be a I show. Be Either wrong. way, but, but stuff like this. Those are going to be the movies that get put out on this service uh, to kind of boost subscription rates. Um, I, listen. I, well, they need I, it. I, I've said it before. I've said it again. And I'll say it again. I, I, I look at Soul as the next one because there's almost precedent with it with Onward. I know Onward had the very limited mm. theatrical release and then it shut down. They, they released Frozen 2 early. I think it's easier for them to manipulate animated earnings and features because of merchandising. I'm not saying you're not going to get merchandise from Black Widow. But at the end of the day, Black Widow's merchandise is limited to Marvel collectors. And let's be honest, when was the last time you saw a really great Marvel action figure? It seems crazy to say that. But legitimately, I think Disney has missed the boat with merchandising of the MCU. And I don't know if that's because of licensing agreements with other companies or what the issue 100, is. hundred hundred percent is. Uh, but, Disney, uh, oh, prior to their acquisition of Marvel, uh, Marvel has an ironclad um, contract with Hasbro in your guys' neck of the woods to make all their action figures in perpetuity. And uh, that that is really what it comes down to, that U.S. Marvel merch pretty much has to come come out of Hasbro. Um, so they have really they got saddled into an old merch contract when it was a bankrupt company uh, and, and they're kind of stuck with it now. And, and Bob, into your point with the merchandise stuff, let's be honest here. Uh, if anyone's gone to any any department store and walked down the toy aisle, they have they've had Black Widow merchandise out yep. for months. And, and it's, it's not going anywhere because no one even knows what the hell it is. Yep. You know, the same thing with uh, the new Despicable Me movie that, that never came out. There's merchandise everywhere, but no one gets it, you know, because you, you, the movie's not there. You don't see it. So, um, And on the other end of it, some of these other movies, like Mulan, 
I actually I never saw them do Milan merchandise. And some of the ones going forward, uh, due to COVID and manufacturing, you're not going to ever get it. So that's another reason to almost push it back in my eyes because you make a lot of money off of that, you know. But yeah, for um, sure. What else you got there, Bub? Nothing. So I, I have a question for you guys because I mean this it kind of loops into this whole state of the company Disney Plus stuff. Um, people people ask the question a lot was with JPEG taking over the company and Disney Plus, is there any chance? Because um, with every other streaming company or every other streaming service, um, you they license their content, right? So maybe they have um, you know the new Mission Impossible movies for the next two years. And then after that, they go back into licensing and maybe they license it again, or maybe they let them go in another streaming service, picks them up. Disney uh, owns the distribution and the production. So if you're a Disney plus subscriber, you will always theoretically have access to the little mermaid, Beauty the beast, all that. Is there any chance we see uh, the Disney vault system implemented artificially uh, on Disney plus where, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Clone Wars rolls back into the vault and you only get the, the original trilogy of Star Wars and the prequels are available, you know, for three months over Christmas sort of thing. Do, do you I, see I don't that ever happening? So. No, I mean, the, the, the huge thing when Disney announced Disney Plus was we have every movie, right? Whether that was true or not, that was that was like their advertisement. Right. So, um I get what you're saying. I see how, you know, Netflix does it sometimes. And I think Disney Plus is still so young, let's say, that I think the catalog needs to grow. And if they start removing stuff, um, it's not going to be good for them. I, I honestly don't think it's going to be good for them. So what stops? So who who is spending the $30 on Mulan or theoretically Seoul or you know, any anything down the line? Who Who is buying these premium releases? Well, that's where I'm concerned, because I think during this pandemic, it's a great thing to, you know, like Trolls, for example. It was only for 48 hours and I bought it because I have two young kids that literally watched that film four times in 48 hours. Now, Mulan, on the other hand, I don't know. Like, I, it's not really just a kid's movie. If me and my wife want to watch Mulan, I'd watch Mulan for, you know, maybe eight bucks. But because that's the going rate, maybe 10 bucks. That's it's Disney and it's a premium. But I'm not going to spend $30. Right, exactly. Especially when you know you could just wait out the timed exclusive and it's, then you get to see Mulan. They, they almost shouldn't have said that, let's be honest. They shouldn't yeah. have said it's going to come to Disney Plus for free. They Because that's that's going to – people are going to wait now. Um, yeah. So. For sure. All right. Um I think I think that's all I got. If you guys are good with the Disney Plus, let's let's kind of let's let's move on to our final topic here. Bob, why don't you take us away into the Disney's teen problem? Well, I guess to fully understand what a teen problem is, you kind of <laughs> have to ask the question: Is there a teen problem? Mm-hmm. And I look at zombies and the Descendants series and Star Wars and Marvel and the Marvel and the animated classic remakes as probably the flag bearers for the company in terms of what would be their quote-unquote teen content uh, in terms of content to the people that is a visual medium or or anything like that. Obviously, the parks 
are the parks. Um, you see with some of the new rides, uh, Star Wars obviously has a huge presence, and Guardians of the Galaxy is going to have a presence. The Tron roller coaster, which probably speaks more toward to our age group in terms of being familiar with the movie, because I mean, I guess if you can consider Tron Legacy, but really the the question I've always had, and, and I mentioned it to Tim, and he was on board because I think he has some thoughts on it too, was when Michael Eisner took the company over in the mid '80s. He, he noticed right away there was a teen problem in the sense of no teens wanted to be at Disney. They wanted to be elsewhere. They didn't want to be associated with the Disney brand. And Disney did a great job of that in the 90s, uh, kind of bringing that back into the fold. The question I have now is my son is seven. Uh, my, my sons are seven and three. Okay. They love zombies. Oh, yeah. They love the Descendants movies. Yep. They love the Star Wars stuff, the Lego stuff, the, the series, the movies. They are crazy about the Marvel stuff. They've just only recently kind of gotten into the Lion King remake, but they love the Aladdin remake. They love the Peach Dragon remake. They, they love all of that stuff, the Beauty and the Beast remake, the animated classics in general. And I'm telling you, they're under the age of 10. I, I, my kids may not be the rule here because I would fully anticipate with a father such as myself that they will have no choice but to be Disney fans through their teen years. Um, I, I guess the question here is, is not necessarily does Disney have a teen problem? Is Disney cool to teens anymore? And since Tim has um, his his finger on the pulse, as it were, with, with teens and the way he works with them, um, Tim, what are your thoughts on the Disney teen problem? So I, you and I have thrown this back and forth, and we've always referred to it as a teen problem. I disagree 100%. Disney does not have a teen problem in the slightest. Um, I'd argue that your kids with the Descendants and Zombies, that is exactly who um, that stuff is marketed to. Uh, the, the one elementary school that I frequently work at, Scholastic Book Fair twice a year, plastered with uh, zombies and descendants stuff. Can, can we just that, stop for one second, Tim? I want to say, if anyone out there who, who, who doesn't have kids have no idea what we're talking about, zombies and teens are two two different zombies franchises. Zombies and teens? I'm sorry. Zombies and descendants are two different franchises that were pretty much, you know, the Disney Channel movies where zombies is just about um, high school kids, you know, zombies trying to live in the world with regular people, uh, not the zombies that are going to eat you. They're trying to have them under control. And Descendants, if you have never heard of it, is even a bigger franchise with three films where it's about the, you know, all of the major villains that you love and know in the Disney universe. And it's their kids are now kind of going through school as well. So sorry to interrupt, Tim, but I just want to. No, 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 yeah. Hey, I, what are we talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. This yeah. is and also this is extremely Disney Channel focused stuff. Uh, yes. This is not not on Disney Plus. This is not theatrical release. This is very Disney Channel focused. But anyway, so that stuff, despite the 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 protagonists and the antagonists of the show being teen age actors, it is very much focused um, at, at at kids. Um, and then the the Star Wars and the Marvels and the animated classics, the animated classics remakes. I think that's for everybody. And the Star Wars and Marvel that that's for guys our age. That's that it plays on nostalgia. It plays on that. Um, it, Disney doesn't need to do anything for teens in my opinion uh it, it did in the late 80s and the early 90s uh 
but the world was a wildly different place then. Um, it, a lot of, a lot of, kind of got to get into some philosophical stuff here, but when, when 9-11 happened, there was a lot of talk about, um, is this the death of irony? Is this a death of, of people being too cool to just like simple things, that sort of stuff? And, and that didn't really happen. It, it, it continued and people's sense of humor got more and more ironic and dark. Um, but eventually we kind of really reached a place in the last, you know, five or six years where that sort of stuff became uh, less important and people just wanted comfortable things. Uh, and now teenagers, it, there's no more of this pretense that was so big when, um, I mean, I know you're a little bit older than Drew and I, Bub, but when like I was in high school, it, it was hard to, if you were somebody who was into Disney or into comic books or into um video games or something you you kind of like hid that to to fit in with people and now teens are just open about that you know half the stuff they sell at hot topic is disney stuff you know every clothing brand from you know gucci and prada all the way down to you know old navy has done collaborations with disney you could buy disney shirts there like it is just a completely normalized thing in our culture to to like these things. And, and it's not the thing that kids are judging each other on. So Disney does not need to cater specifically to them because the cultural zeitgeist says that's what's normal, that that hearkening back to a, a more innocent time to a, a simple pleasure is is what people need to appreciate in in the world the way it is now. Mm -hmm. um, there very much is a new sincerity. That's that's kind of the prevailing cultural idea um, right now. So I think that that Eisner era thing of how do we be kind of edgy, but not too edgy and cool and, and specifically cater to this demographic and, and make them want to be here uh, is not necessary. And even the, the kids who think they're too cool for Disney once mom and dad drag them there and they walk down Main Street and, and, and they get on Splash Mountain or they get on Big Thunder, you, you could be the surliest teen. You can you could be grumpy. You can pretend I, you want to be there. And, and the joy is there. You're, you're, you're yes, all about I, it. I, I don't disagree, Tim, but here's here's like my problem. And, and, and Bumpton, speak up if I'm wrong, where I think he was going with this. Two things. I think in the world today, I think teenagers are no longer the age of the teenager that we love and know love i don't know the, the, what we know in the past right teenagers are getting younger and younger you see it in the way they dress the way they talk the independent all of that you you live and breathe that every day with your profession at work you must see that teenagers are now really moving more to that 10 to 13 age well, rather yeah, for sure for sure so so with that being said i 100 percent think zombies and descendants was catered to it's about kids going to high school and adapting with some type of change right whether it's the disney villains or whether it's a zombie or a werewolf or whatever it might be now i think that is kind of metaphorically speaking there for that age demographic now i think and bub this is where correct me if i'm wrong i think what disney needs is something themed after those big franchises that have a lot of money invested, they have a ton of merchandise, all of that stuff, into the parts. And what I mean by that is, is you look at even like the Disney Junior area, if you want to call mm -hmm. it that, over in Hollywood Studios. I think you need 
a zombie slash descendants where your 10 to 13 year old kid can go there by themselves. And as a parent, I don't have to feel worried in the world because they're in Disney and they're in this environment, whether it's some type of walkthrough, dance party, almost like a teen little nightclub in the park, whatever it is, maybe not an actual attraction, mm-hmm. but it's something where the kids can just go for three hours and mom and dad can go somewhere and I don't have a worried in the world. I yeah. think that's what Bub is talking about was, is there's nothing like that besides the normalcy of you know, Pixar rides and all this other stuff, which I agree, anyone from a three-year-old to a 70 or 100-year-old mm-hmm. person loves. So that stuff I agree, but I think teen-specific. I personally do not want to go hang out in a Zombies nightclub, though I do love that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. But if I had a 10 to 13-year-old, they'd go there for four hours and I'd have to drag them out. Correct. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I categorically disagree with the fact that Zombies and Descendants weren't aimed at a tween-teen demographic that to say that they're directed at a six and seven and four year old and and it's the six year old zoe obviously loves them evan loves them uh andrew uh, alex and zach love them (laughs) i i think the the emphasis and andrew what you said is act is 100 right i know i can go with my kids right now and they they're going to enjoy things at disney yep once you get into 15 and 16 like my nephew you know ronnie Yep. He has no interest in Descendants and Zombies. I'm not disagreeing with that statement. I agree. And, yeah. he, and, 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 and he goes on Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. He loves Disney. Maybe I mis, maybe I misspoke when I, I, I was kind of implying that teenagers don't love Disney. I, they do. I, 100% they do. What but I'm the saying, thrills. But they love the thrill aspect. Yes. I think there's a market in that 9 to 13 or a youngerish 14 that they're not represented in the parks. I, Tim, you said it yourself. Star Wars is geared towards us. It's not geared. Oh towards yeah, no, kids. for sure. I mean, and I don't think Disney tries to hide that at all. Like you walk into Galaxy's Edge, it it it, it is trying to hit on somebody who is a nostalgia mm. brain who understands it, and it's represented that basically everything you do in there, whether it's merch or food or a drink or whatever, is about a buck more. It, it, it's aimed at somebody right. who has has disposable so income. This is a conversation we had with Pat back on episode seven or whatever it was. We had the Galaxy's Edge interview, Andrew. Yeah, bonus and, two, I believe it was. And, and we've had the discussion on this show before where Disney has become very much the haves and the have-nots, believe it or not. I know we're going to get – I'm, I'm going to get blowback from making that statement – I am in no way independently wealthy. Um, I, I work 40 hours a week. I know Andrew does. I know Tim does. My wife works 40 hours a week. Uh, I am not independently wealthy to say that I am a have at Disney. But everything that Disney does right now is geared towards a very particular set of people. It's geared towards the money spender. And damn it, it should be because they're the ones that are spending the money to to go to Disney. I, I don't disagree with the aspect of that disney uh can charge what they want because people will pay it I, I have no problem with that but when you get back to the idea that the most family-friendly thing they've done in the last 10 years is toy story land which is legitimately geared towards my seven-year-old there's a whole segment of the market whether you you want to argue whether it's a teen or a tween category that literally has nothing to do outside of a family environment at Disney. The cruise line is a perfect example of how Disney 
could integrate these things into yeah. the parts. So that's that's so, that's the, that's that's the statement. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. But you're also it's it's not a team like the the team problem Eisner talked about in 1989 was is not the same thing. Different team problems. A hundred percent, I would agree with you. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's really shifted from 15 to 18 year olds down to what you're talking about. The, the, the quote unquote tween demographic that there is, that is probably hands down the group where there is the least for them mm-hmm. to do at Disney, the least that is special for them. For them so, specifically. And, and, right. And in Disney with kids, a few episodes back, we talked a lot about stuff and we, there's, there's a lot of excursions and even things to do for young kids. And if you look, there's age caps of, let's say, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but like 12 years old. I, mm-hmm. I talked about um, over at the beach yacht club where they have the, the captain hook, like almost daycare the center, but it's pirate a pirate scavenger thing. hunt thing. Yeah, it sounds great, but there's an age cap, mm-hmm. right? So, yep. so what happens when you're over that age? Like, you know, I can't send my 12 year old. And at that point, when you're in Disney, you know, maybe that's the time you start saying, you know, venture out for a little bit, like like we talked about, maybe just for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go to, you know, Bob, you know, you've seen zombies, how like they have that warehouse where just so much stuff going on with the neon lights and the, yeah. and the dancing. No, absolutely. You can do something like that. Uh, we talked about it a couple episodes ago when I wanted to put it over where uh, the, the launch bay is. Launch bay, where, yeah. Launch yeah. bay is the number one spot for anything yeah. we're talking about yeah. because well a whole area or yeah. or Indiana Jones I mean that's a lot of land over there Indiana no, Jones too speaks to nah, me it uh, still speaks to me that's a huge piece of land though Drew you're absolutely right I would love to see them rip that show out because that is the backstage areas that is a yeah. huge parcel of land you're right but with the focus right on on, on this so I, I mean I think in a way we're all kind of agreeing in different aspects of it and yeah. and I think again I think the goal really is for that young teen or you know that I think the age is changing it's, right it, that age group is as somebody who works in education it's such a difficult age group because yeah. those kids in their minds they have they think of themselves kind of like high school age kids think of themselves but they carry themselves and act and have the emotional maturity of, uh, you know, much younger kids of, of elementary schoolers. They're, they're at this very awkward yeah. in-between spot, and it means you you can't really trust them to do stuff on their own. But uh, and it, you, they need to be in a controlled environment, but they don't want to be doing a pirate scavenger hunt correct. or, you know, at um, the, the Moana, you know, kids daycare at the Polynesian, you know. And and the, you're right. The cruise line, because it's a self-contained environment, ha- has created the perfect outlet yeah. for that. Yep. Yeah, and 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 I think you know you look back to Pleasure Island, right, where 18 oh, plus, and you at least you had that 18. Because uh, when Bob and I went at that age, and you know maybe we weren't old enough to drink yet, but there was still a lot at you know 18 year old, right? You're you're, you're graduating high school, you, you know. Yeah. And there was still a lot of adultish type stuff we could do, mm-hmm. even though maybe we couldn't drink yet. You know, yeah. so you even lost that. So now it's like you have that age group between, let's say, 10 or 12-ish all the way to 21. I mean, you talk about not even teens, but young adults. Yeah. You got you know? Phil. You can go bowling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think the young adults are taken care of. I just don't they are. think that that. I don't think that that pretense where those kids who are really for the first time 
kind of coming into their own and realizing their own emotional maturity. Um, the kids that Bob is talking about, um, once they get into high school, there, there's just really, especially when you're on vacation with your family, there's no reason to keep up the facade. So you, there's they can like things. There, okay. There's there's none of the stuff that kind of maybe we had when we were growing up where it wasn't cool to like things. Um, they can enjoy you know Peter Pan and Small World and Pirates Peter of the Pan Caribbean and the roller and it's coasters. And you know it. Yeah. <laughs> Throw back to last week. But I, yeah, I, I I mean, so I guess let, like let's go around because I don't know what the answer. What would you do? Be it in that launch bay area. Be it if we you know knock out uh, the expand out the berm at the Magic Kingdom or you know yeah, I mean, behind I the think, construction. What would you I do think, for I that would ten exactly to twelve what demographic? I would, I would use Disney's magic to somehow recreate like the warehouse type scene mm-hmm. where Tim, if you haven't seen Zombies, there's this this massive warehouse like confetti wall, very dim light kind of, lots of like neon lights, and they you know they yeah. in the that's where the zombies hang out, you know, on their weekends, and they yep. do a lot of like singing loud. It's almost like a nightclub, but it's also like an interactive mm-hmm. discovery zone on drugs. That's what I would do. At the same, <laughs> at the same time, to be clear, you said on drugs. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that's time, what we want our seven, twelve-year-olds to do. I would, I would get Descendants and do some type of like port with like the pirate ship there and also like a port and get Descendants involved in it somehow with their characters. But again, it's a place to go hang out, and I'm not going to solve right now what these you know activities or or rides or walkthroughs are. That's for Disney to find out because they get paid a yeah. lot of money to do that. But that that's my vision of what a place needs. And you could even have some type of cafe in there where you can get like a snack or sandwich or I don't know what kids drink right nowadays. If they're yeah. Do you think there could whatever. be some kind of like a, you know, like a Chuck E. Cheese where they do the wristband system? I think, I think, yeah. And I think you even need almost, I know it's hard to control that, but I think it's almost like an age requirement, like age 10 to 15. You know, oh, yeah, I, for yeah, for sure. I, I, think I, don't want, almost, yeah. I think you almost say parents are almost not allowed. Like, trust us, we got your kid. You know, they're old enough to kind of be independent, but you know, we have chaperones in here to watch them. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't thinking parents, but like, yeah, we definitely don't need like, you know, seventeen to twenty year olds. No, a- anywhere no. near that thing, because that's Agreed. a disaster waiting to happen. Um, but that's, so that's like, what I would do. So a, a kind of like a Disney teen club. Uh, it, it has to be that type of yeah. And again, mm-hmm. I think you have a little cafe in there so they can use their you know their magic band to order some so, food or a drink. Yep. It's very funny to me, Drew, because you pretty much described Disney Quest. It is. Yep. But, but and right. I and that's exactly what I was going to bring up. That <laughs> so, the last time Disney tried to tackle this was Disney Quest. Yep. But I think we're we're so far advanced now where I think you could almost similar to Club Thirty Three where you have one at each park you could almost do a small little section uh, maybe maybe one in Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom because like there's tons of space in Tomorrowland uh, you could do one at Epcot probably in one of the Interventions buildings because well one of them's knocked down but in the one that's still standing you could do something there you already have the electric umbrella so you could easily do something in that area for that Animal Kingdom gets a little dicier I don't know no what not at it. all anymore nope now that uh now that that was mine is you well, I guess expand you could on do the idea over. of um. Donald's uh, prehistoric dance yep. party, yep. and you just you take out all that circus theming that is now completely meaningless with the shutdowns. Yep. 
take out that one flat ride that you don't really need, the Triceratops spin, and mm-hmm. uh, you you rebrand that as your yeah. dinosaur-themed teen yeah. area. And clearly over at the studios, Andrew, you're absolutely right. It's that whole right side of the park on the right side of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway before you get to um, – Pixar Place area, so it, it'd be where the Little Mermaid show was because that's now closed. Uh, and I don't know that I would take out the 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 uh, the kids Disney show, the the Disney Junior show, because I think no, that's a specific purpose. Popular. Yeah, yeah. But where where the Little Mermaid show is, there's a little shop back there. There's the launch bay area. There's a couple of sound stages next to it before you get to the One Man's Dream area. And even that, at this point, I would take out. Despite my love, I'd probably move it over to the to Town Hall at Magic Kingdom, and I would use that whole area for a Zombies or Descendants-themed area. And I, I don't know if that solves a problem. Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe Disney doesn't see it as a problem because the families are going and the families are vacationing together. But to me, as a parent of kids that will be there in four or five years at that age, and Andrew, I know you, you yeah. will have Zoe and Evan there as well, I, I, I wonder – if there's a way for them to almost make like a kids club 33 type thing where you have to be that, you know, 10 to 15 age where the kids can go hang out while mom and dad, maybe grab a bite at a restaurant or want to go ride a ride instead of a rider swap type thing. You know, let me ask you this. Would you, would you pay extra for that? It's just, it's not really kids service, but maybe it's a premium. And you know what? And and if Disney wants to do that, I, I think it's a designated space for the often forgotten, the oft forgotten age bracket of a Disney trip. Let me, because let me, sure, yep, go ahead. Uh, let me ask this other question. <laughs> like Disney Quest, whether people look that as a success or failure, it sure, was a whatever. I it think was. so too, but some people might not. Um, would you ever think that would fit somewhere like a Disney Springer outside of the park environment? Um, I, or I mean, no? again, I like the idea of it being one in each park. Um, but but ultimately. I don't know where it fits now unless Cirque du Soleil never shows up again, depending on what happens with, with their bankruptcy proceedings and if they ever get the show going again. I guess it could be at that end, but I don't see it really fitting into Town I, Square at all. So I think it turns into a shit show if you bring it outside of the parts. Well, yeah, I think it becomes – so th- this is my idea with getting into the parks is you have to pay admission. So right no, now – No, I, I, think, I think you do go with the cruise line model. I, think, I like that. I idea, think it becomes so. just another part – I mean, let's be honest, ticket prices are going to go up again and ticket prices are going to go up again. And and you you just get some. I mean, we, we're already seeing it now in the parks with the pandemic, with the college program being suspended. You, you are back to having way more full time cast members, not interns. Um, you, you get some cast members, you pay them a little bit more, you get them first aid trained and stuff. And and. It, it's just a value add. I mean, that has always been Disney's thing is, is is you charge more for the ticket. People are willing to pay it. And, um, you know, not everybody uses every part of that Buffalo. And part of that Buffalo has to be these, you know, safe teen zones. If this is the direction you want to go to where you can check the kid in, you can get up a wristband. And as they they don't leave unless the, the, the parent with the matching wristband comes to release them sort of thing. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was merely stating for the fact of why I like the four park model is because it, it limits the uh, tomfoolery. If you have it outside the park, like Andrew had said, like we had discussed, yeah. that I, I think you, you run into an issue of what happened with Disney Quest. Disney Quest eventually became overrun. Yeah. Um, it, it 
you know, things people do not treat it with respect, I think was was part of the problem. And I mean, they didn't update it either. So there's a whole nother yeah, can of worms with Disney and, Quest. And, but, and that's oh, definitely my fear right, here. Doing it again. Is yeah. It has to be somewhat timeless sort of stuff. Like if you all of a sudden make it VR centric and video game centric, it's going to be Disney Quest 2.0 where it just doesn't hold up. Uh, and I was merely stating the physical location. I don't yeah. give a shit what they have in it. I, I didn't want to go all VR. I didn't say that at all. So I was just saying in terms of them having it outside the park, I think, led to a lot more locals showing up there and paying the 25 to $40 fee yep. to get into Disney Quest, where you wouldn't have that if they were in the confines of the park. Agreed. Bob, and then I think it turns into more of a, a babysitting network more than what I think what, what we're looking for was more of like a responsibility type go on your own type thing and and you know so i agree uh, so what would you what would you want to see there as you, somebody, i want to see where like if hmm. in drew's idea like as the one who has the kids who most immediately would be ready for that sort of thing in the next couple of years what what sort of stuff would you as a parent if you were going to drop your kids off and you and Megan go and, you know, grab a bike, grab a drink or, you know, ride some rides that your kids would have wanted, what would what sort of thing would you want them to have a show, a ride, like what sort of thing? I think it would be a combination of things. Yeah, I think, like Andrew crap. said, I think you'd have to have some sort of dining option for them. I think you'd have to have like a snack counter. Obviously, that would be included in the price. You give them a popcorn or something or whatever. I think you have an option for a climb zone or interactive stuff to keep them moving. Like Andrew said, maybe yeah. not on drugs, but similar to Discovery Zone, where maybe you have an inside rock wall or something like that. I'm just, <laughs> and again, listen, I don't get paid yeah. to flesh out Disney's ideas. If they want yeah. to contact me at yeah. the Disney Guys on censored at gmail.com i would love to send them some proposals and some sketches that i have drawn yep. up in my notebook about these concepts but i think at the end of the day it could be anything they want it to be i think you could run into if you put it in tomorrowland you theme it to tomorrowland maybe there's a spacewalk where it's kind of like a trampoline area or a trampoline castle i don't know i'm spitballing here dino land yep. you do something related to like maybe you actually do get an educational value maybe there's something you do in dino land that is related to uh, paleontology and you do that mm-hmm. and you can go dig up dinosaurs in the boneyard that's indoor that's a little bit more substantial than the playground you have at the entrance of dino land i mean at the end of the day i'm spitballing here but obviously in the studios we've already talked about it i think we go uh to descendants and zombies i think that is a a fantastic uh licensing deal that or, or license or property that they have that is only going to continue to grow because there's books, there's movies, there's more movies coming out, I, and, and it's timeless characters. It's characters that are related to characters that are actually these kids' ages. So I think that is relatable there too. And if you, I, I guess in tomorrow, when we were talking about tomorrow, yeah, Epcot, in then Epcot, you could do something very similar to uh, Interventions, but it would be teen-centric, it would be kid-centric, yeah. where maybe you talk about the different ideas of Epcot. I mean, again, I don't have this written down anywhere, but if you're going <laughs> to like ask me, no, no, that, no, I guess no, no, this is what I, I would do. Is, this is good. Now, interestingly, as we talk all, through all this, do you think Universal blows Disney out of the water on this? Because so much of no. all, but all this stuff is the touchstone for that age group is, is young adult fiction. And and the absolute king of but young adult fiction is Harry think, Potter. But I think, sure, Tim, I think that might be as far as theming goes. But 
I, I don't think that that they do anything differently than Disney does for what we're talking. I think I think it just does. Um, well, no, you, you can't walk into Diagon Alley and, and, and it's not teen centric. I mean, it is teen centric, but it's not but necessarily theme wise. Yeah. No, wise. It's fantastic. It's probably the best. I would say Harry Potter. God bless me for, you know, strike me down for saying this. The Harry Potter worlds, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at both Universal Parks is second to none in terms of theming and immersive and immersive entertainment but it's not a secluded part of the park. So yeah, Tim, I guess if you wanted to go to Universal, you could do a Hogwarts castle type thing where you had a day at Hogwarts type thing where you could take classes, you could go to divination no, classes. No, I, yeah. I just mean in general. Like, so, you know, I bring my tween into Galaxy's Edge and they're like, cool, it's Star Wars, it's Correct. the thing you like. Whereas I bring my tween and they walk, I don't know, through the nine and three quarter. I, I'm not a Harry Potter fan. The, you walk but into I, the station and they're like, holy crap, this is just like the book that I like. I think that's hard to say because you're going to have people that like different things, right? There's going to be people that hate Harry Potter, that hate, you know, um, all that type of stuff. And people that and, – and vice versa. So I, I think that's a tough one to say. I uh, also think that's an entirely different conversation. Then you're getting into themed lands. Yeah, I, where yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's – little, f- but Tim, good point though because when you think about Toy Story Land – being Andy's backyard, that's going to resonate with my kids where Harry Potter would resonate with my nephew who has read the books and he's 15 years old. So I, I, that is a fair point. But again, I think it's strictly speaking in terms of themed lands. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know that their rides do it better because, I, I mean, King Kong, is, you know, Skull Island has its problems. It's, it's screen technology. Fast and Furious is screen technology. Transformers, I guess they have more teen centric or or necessarily uh, newer properties than what yeah. disney offers that's certainly true um but at the end of the day uh i i will take pandora over over pretty much anything that they do except maybe you except for maybe harry potter um but the transformers ride blows uh fast does. I, yeah, yeah i mean yeah. I, I, fast and furious is worse from what fast i'm told i've never pretty much universally lampooned by everyone also i don't think 10 to 15 year olds are like oh man that's that's dumb yeah i, I feel like well, i'm part of la familia so, is that a 1996 so mitsubishi eclipse it's funny tim because i would almost think the fast and furious is more geared towards us oh yeah the movie came sure. out 2001 Absolutely. yeah <laughs> yeah holy christ uh that is uh, you know what actually universal land is very solidly done is springfield the Simpsons area is actually really well done. Um, it's not my bag, but it is it is pretty well done considering that it used to be Back to the Future in Hill Valley. Just saying, it, it's 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 fairly well done. But I think Disney might be trying to make this pivot. They have recently kind of signed on to some young adult fiction authors. They're kind of trying to organically grow that part of their space. They are. Well, they are. Artemis Fall didn't do it for them. I tell you that much. No, no they did not. <laughs> They did not, but all right. I mean, this was great conversation. I feel like we're starting to get into that rhythm that we're repeating ourselves a little bit. So, I, I mean, is there, we, we talked about it. We talked about a lot of it. I mean, is there any last words? I think that either of you guys, I know I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I think I've said my piece as, as far as this goes. No, I think, I think the answer to the question, is there a teen problem or is there a tween problem? Um, I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just something I'd like to see them pay more attention to. 
I don't lack, know if it's a it's problem. The lack of. It's the lack yeah, of. I think, I think it's something that they could do better. Yeah, 100% agreed. All right. So that is wrapping up the main topic. But, of course, as always, we have to head on over to the random House of Mouse. That knocking at the House of Mouse. We're all knocking at the House of Mouse. Well, now that you just said it like that, I don't know that I want to do Random House of Mouse tonight. All right. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's your call. Um... No, all joking aside, guys, um, Howard, uh, a film about Howard Ashman, uh, was released on Disney Plus on Friday. Uh, it documents the the life of songwriter Howard Ashman. Uh, he wrote the lyrics um, for the Disney songs and the classics, uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. He also did help out with uh, lyrical compositions for Oliver and Company. Um, Andrew would know him as uh, he wrote the stage musical version of Little oh, Shop of Horrors. Good show. Um, he also was a writer of The Confirmation from 1977. Uh, he was the lyricist and director of God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater. Uh, he also was the stage director and lyricist of Smile. And he actually did lyricist work, uh, lyrical work and screenwriting work uh, for the film of Little Shop of Horrors as well. So a, a fairly a fairly accomplished man who died at the age of 40 from complications of, of AIDS uh, in 1991. Uh, it really, guys, it tells a very riveting story. I mean, obviously, we all know his songs, uh, but now we kind of get to know the man a little bit. Uh, produced and uh, directed by Don Hahn, who was an animator and a, a director of uh, Beauty and the Beast, I believe. Um, and Alan Menken, who is uh, his musical writer if ashman was the lyricist or the or the elton john in this instance i guess alan Menken would be uh, bernie taupin um in terms of how well they work together um it's really it's a riveting tale of a man who is really an artistic genius um some some reviews i've read and some complaints i've read that doesn't delve deeply enough into his personal life um, about um, his homosexuality and and the AIDS epidemic, but I don't know that this is what Don Hahn was shooting for when he made this film. I think Don Hahn was was shooting for a movie about a, a friend and, and a brilliant brilliant writer, and that comes true. I think this is a a great introduction to the man and the genius of Howard Ashman, um, and if you really if you really give it a chance. It's something I think you'll take away that that he's the reason for the Disney Renaissance. Uh, people would say that Eisner and Katzenberg were were, were pivotal to that as well. Um, Frank Wells obviously was super important. Roy Disney, obviously, the the names of people you could list here that were important to the Disney Renaissance of Little Mermaid and, and Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, Aladdin, um, all those types of films, uh, you, you would really have to start that list with Howard Ashman, who was a, a true lyrical genius. And really, when you're, you're watching the film itself, which runs about an hour and a half or so, you get to understand that he wasn't really just thinking for today. He was probably thinking for tomorrow as well. Uh, he wrote songs for Aladdin in his hospital bed as he was dying. Alan Menken brought a portable keyboard into the hospital room and they banged out lyrics. To, I think you got a friend like, nah, you never had a friend like me, which is Jeannie's anthem. Uh, he's the one that gave Ursula her voice. 
um, when they were really – you kind of go through the progressions of what Ursula was going to be. Um, they ended up designing her based on a sketch that Don Hahn did uh, based on Divine um, from the time. And that's the one that Howard Ashman said, yeah, and we're going to give her a voice and it's going to be Pat Carroll and she's going to be very theatrical. And his, his favorite thing was always writing for villains. They're always a little more fun to write for. And I think we all have a little bit uh, of Howard Ashman in us uh, when we think about villains and the songs that villains sing and, and the way we associate with them. Uh, to me, it, it, like I said, it's a great introduction to the man and, and the genius of Howard Ashman. Um, I think if you want further in-depth information that this movie doesn't give you, uh, his sister does curate a wonderful site, howardashman.com. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, it, it's bittersweet at times. To realize that what could have been if he if he didn't succumb to to AIDS, but at the end of the day, it's well worth a watch, and it does get this Disney guy's seal of approval. Drew. All right, thank you, Bob. Uh, definitely gonna have to make sure you guys check that one out. I did. That's Howard over on Disney Plus. So that's gonna wrap this week's episode of Seventy Three State of. Disney. Uh, we tried something a little bit different this week, you know, kind of an open conversation, not too much factuals, with a little bit of opinion based on some, you know, some facts thrown in there. Let us know what you thought. You know, we'd love to have some feedback. Um, you can send us an email at the Disney Guys on gmail.com, but uh, easiest way to contact us is probably head over to the Facebook page, the Ohana. Make sure you join there and give us all our feedback right there. Again, that's where we do our live pre-shows every Monday night. We start roughly around 8 to 8.15, so definitely check that out. As always, remember to reach out to our favorite travel agent, Jordana Izzo, uh, from the Disney Guys Uncensored, and Travel Nation, where she can help you plan your next magical getaway. Um, she can be emailed at jordanaizzo at travelmation.net. Uh, check our show notes and our detail tab for all of our social media links, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And as always, if you want some super cool merchandise like a t-shirt or even we now have... Um, masks. If you want to go buy a new mask that has our logo on it, or Ohana logo, head over to Redbubble. We can do that. And as always, we ask, consider uh, donating us $2 a month. Join our Patreon page. It really helps us go a long way. So we hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for listening to The Disney Guys Uncensored. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place.